my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. You hear that? That's the sound of millions of people panicking to get gifts. But not you, because you're getting all your gifts this year on Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. Drizzy lets you send beer, wine, and spirits to almost anywhere in as little as 60 minutes or scheduled up to two weeks in advance, making it the ultimate gifting hack for the holidays. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Hey, parents. Greenlight is here to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast. What is up, folks? It is none other than your boy Bibbs, aka Bibbs Corner on Twitter, Mike Bibbins, all that, all the above. And <laughs> it's been a while since I've done a solo podcast. It actually feels very strange right now to be doing this. I um, have been putting this off. I don't want to say putting it off. It's a lot of work. It's it's really a lot of work, and I actually forgot how much work it is. But I've been putting together the GOAT series, expanded the list to 75 players. That means that there are 20, at least 23 new players on the list this year compared to last year's list where I ended up doing 52 because of a miscalculation. So at least 23 new players. I actually changed the formula as well. So some players moved around to different places. Uh, It turned out interestingly, again, uh, there's going to be some controversy when we get into it, but man i'm glad to be back i'm glad to be doing a ghost series again and um man i i um (sighs) i know the nba is dropping their list next week so i wanted to try to get as much of my list out as possible before then i said that i was going to try to keep these to 30 minute episodes so if i have to split it up i'll split it up so Today, I'm going to give you guys, because I didn't want to mislead you, I'm going to let you know straight off the, off the top, I'm going to give you guys a little introduction, which is very similar to the introduction last year, if you listen to the GOAT series, I'm just basically going to give you the rundown of my thinking behind doing this project, taking this on, 
And then I'm going to give you a little bit of a breakdown on how I did the calculations, what went into deciding who was going to make this, this all time top 75 greatest players of all time list. Um, it is the most nerdiest thing I've ever done in my life. Top two most nerdiest thing. I actually did try to create a NCAA tournament formula to predict who was going to win each round. It, I got very good at predicting who was going to win the NCAA tournament, like very good, but the upsets, it was the upsets would destroy everything every year. The upsets, it was always like one or two upsets that really just destroyed everything. Uh, so I gave, I've spent so much time on that. It, again, huge nerd. But for me, if it's something you actually enjoy, then it's not worth. So that's the case here. And I've been talking already for too long. So let's, let's stop wasting time. Let's get into it. So the debate around greatness in sports is never ending. Everyone has their own opinion. Somewhere along the way, we decide what makes a player great in our head. And often we attach a name to that idea. Is Tom Brady the GOAT in football? For the longest, I was one of the many who looked at him as a system quarterback. But after seeing what he's still doing at his advanced age, maybe I was wrong. Is Ali the greatest boxer of all time? Or is he just the greatest in his class or in his era? All of these are questions that come up when you're talking about greatness in almost any sport. The games change. The people change. The way the game is played, the way we perceive the game, the way we determine what a winner looks like evolves. And you see the generational conversations. So how can we cut across the generations? There is no way to determine for sure who the greatest of all time is, especially when it comes to comparing across generations. Think about it. <laughs> in the infancy of sports in America, at its best, when it became a national or big time broadcast event where it wasn't, you had to go to whatever was happening in your town, radio, people huddled around the radio listening to a blow-by-blow blow or play-by-play play of whatever was happening, whether it was a baseball game, boxing match, whatever. Now we have phones in our hands. You can watch on a 60-inch screen with a phone in your hand to re watch replays and interact with people in other parts of the world while things are happening. Get instant feedback and analysis of every single thing that's happening live. You choose and curate who you listen to. Who are your thought leaders? Whose opinions matter to you? And all that goes into your opinion of what is great. Now, for me, the only sport I really care about the answer is basketball. It's my first true love, the game I've been playing since as far back as I can remember. I have a picture of myself at three years old dribbling a soccer ball. Basketball is life. And I've always accepted Michael Jordan as my GOAT. Six for six in the finals, dominated his era, dominated to the point that he left in the middle of his domination, played a different sport, came back, dominated some more, got bored again, or at least that's the story I told myself. Now, we're 18 years into the reign of LeBron James and I've seen every single moment of his career, the early struggles, him getting to the finals in 2007 before he was supposed to. And I've seen him at his lowest, being carried by Dwayne Wade to a finals loss in 2011. I watched him at his highest 
achieving unthinkable things in the playoffs, dominating 2012, carrying the Cavs to a, a comeback, being down 3-1. I've seen it all. And now I've seen them bring a ring to Los Angeles. Perhaps I've seen way too much of LeBron and not enough Michael to really make a determination. In my old age, I want to, I've come to want to appreciate LeBron more than ever. I often say that LeBron and Wilt were the most physically gifted basketball players of all time, but that Kareem and Jordan were the greatest. And that brings us to the key point of this exercise. What is greatness? Now, this is where the, the conversation gets tricky because some people start thinking best player of all time, who would win one-on-one, -on -one, et cetera, and so forth. But for me, greatness isn't how talented a player is. It's not who would win if they played one-on-one. -on -one. It's about your ability, of course, but what were you able to do with that ability? What were you able to accomplish? Did you dominate statistically in the box score? Did you dominate your era, keep other people from winning rings that should have? Did you stake your claim as the best when compared to your peers at the time? All of these things are important, especially when comparing across eras. My goal with the methodology that I designed was to give us players from the 40s all the way up to the present day. I wanted this exercise to be educational, not just for my audience, but also for me. Again, a formula had to be created to take my bias out of it. I needed a definitive way to, to punch numbers, to, to quantify different things that a player might accomplish in their career without my bias controlling what the outcome would be. And I think I did that. Year one went very well, in my opinion, but I did change some things for year two. So let's get to it. If you're a beginning podcaster or someone who just wants to make things easy on their journey, Spotify for Podcasts is the perfect platform for you. They allow you to record your podcast and edit it, not only from your computer, but your phone as well. So you can do it on the go wherever you are. You can make money from your podcast through ads provided by the platform or through subscriptions from your audience with no catch at all. They even take the liberty of distributing your podcast not only to the Spotify platform, but every other podcast and platform as well. Just like that. All you have to do is record, edit, hit publish, and Spotify takes care of the rest. I use Spotify podcasters to start my journey. Bibbs used it to start his journey. We used it to start the Mavs Outsiders journey. And now you have the opportunity to use it to start your journey as well. To get started, all you have to do is download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. First of all, who did I consider? I definitely couldn't sit down and punch in 4,000 different players, career stats, accomplishments, et cetera. So how did I determine who to look at? Well, last year I did two all NBA select, or I did four all NBA selections. This year I dropped it to three. I also included every single MVP winner, 
every single finals MVP, every single final runners up in, uh, MVP. That's the, the second or the best player on the team that lost in the finals from 1977, the year of the ABA NBA merger to present day. I also included every single defensive player of the year winner. I included every player that is currently in the top 50 in points per game in the regular season or playoffs and top 50 in total points, regular season or playoffs. In all, I ended up having to punch numbers for 178 players. Now, the scoring system. I wanted to come up with a cool acronym like Pippum or whatever, all those things, LeBron factor, all that good stuff. But I came up with, with just calling it the GOAT factor. My goal was to create a system where a thousand points puts you at a GOAT status. And somehow I actually did pull that off. And even with the tweaks, that number still remained valid to determine who are our GOATs. It actually worked out amazingly and I'm, I'm quite proud of it, honestly. I talk about it all the time. You probably get annoyed seeing me talk about it on the timeline. I don't care. So again, let's get to how this system point system works. And I started with awards. I know awards are voted on. There's biases, there's narratives, but that's all we have. So awards, the big one is the MVP award. If you won an MVP, it was almost it was pretty much impossible for you not to end up on the list. There were actually a couple MVPs that did not make it last time, but when I expanded the list to 75 players, almost impossible for an MVP not to make this list. Uh, MVP winners got 100 points right off the bat. There are about 43 players that ended up with MVP awards because I had to create MVP awards for players from uh, the years before the MVP award was actually granted. So that's 43 spots already. So if you're thinking who won the MVP, pretty much count them to be included in the 75 at some point. The next was the finals MVP. Now I had to do this one a little tricky, so stay with me. Finals MVPs from 1984 to the present day got 50 points. Now, two, two notes. First, finals MVP award was not even given until 1969 so I actually went and found a website that broke down who should have won the finals MVP from 1947 to 1968 based on the formula that they came up with and I have a link to that on the the methodology article which I posted on bibscorner.com most recent article um you should be able to find that pretty easily if not let me know I will link it for you and I'll probably put it in the show notes as well because I can do things like that. So, <clears throat> 50 points again for a finals MVP from 1984 to present. Finals MVP before 1984 received 25 points. The reason for that difference is because in 1984, the NBA expanded the playoffs from 18 or expanded the playoffs from 12 teams to 16, which meant to win a championship, you had to win four rounds of basketball, period. Before 1984, the playoffs, you could either win two games or two rounds, I should say, or three rounds to get to the title. So I wanted to make that half as half as strenuous. <clears throat> the finals runner up from 1984 to present, that is the team that made it to the finals and lost. That means you won three rounds of basketball, but then lost. 
I gave them 25 points as well because again, before 1984, the playoffs were two or three rounds. So if you won a three round tournament and you were the leader of that team, you deserve 25 points in my eyes. So I awarded that. And finally, the finals runner up MVP from 1977 to 83. 1977, again, the year of the ABA-NBA merger. That means the talent pool became much deeper. A lot more teams, a lot more talent. So if you made it to the finals in 77 to 1983 before the league expanded to six, or for, before the playoffs expanded to 16 teams and lost, I still gave you 12 and a half points if you led a team to the finals in the, in, during the first few years after the merger. It's giving you a lot of numbers, but <laughs> this is all going into my my thinking if i've missed something you'll be able to know <clears throat> moving forward if you made a first team all nba or aba you got 20 points for a second team all nba or aba 10 points and for a third team all nba you receive six and two-thirds points uh, the aba only had a first and second team so and again, ABA, NBA, I awarded their awards as equal because when I looked at the NBA, ABA matchups, they pretty much finished 500. Like they split across the years from year one to year seven or eight. The, the NBA and ABA in individual matchups against each other, they pretty much broke even on their games. Uh, the NBA dominated the first four years. The ABA dominated the last four years as far as the how those games went. So I said, you know what? Talent pool seems to be pretty close. The guys who, once the merger occurred, the guys who were dominating the ABA continue to be dominant players in the NBA. Dr. J, for example, Artis Gilmore, guys like that. So again, uh, top-level talent didn't take a huge hit when they came in. So the leagues must have been comparable at the very least when it comes to top-tier talent. That's a little bit controversial and does affect some things later, but we'll get to that when we get to that. <clears throat> Again, if you won a defensive player of the year, you got 15 points. Defensive player of the year was not awarded until 1983, so I used defensive win shares to fill the gaps. Uh, there's an article called Added Awards that I put together for the series last year. That list did not change. I had to add a couple names to a couple of places but for the most part that list didn't change so you can go to my website check that added awards um, companion piece you can get to that from the methodology page all those are linked and just go check to see what awards I had to basically create uh, for a first team all defense three points were awarded again first team all defense was not awarded until 1969 in the NBA and 1973 in the ABA and they only did one team I had to create those <laughs> going back to 1947. All that is in that added award sheet. Second team all defense got a point and a half. And again, all of that information is the same. I used the defensive win shares for all defense before 1969. Uh, for those years, I tried to use the top three bigs and two guards for most years. Uh, there were a few years where I accepted a small forward as a guard since the, the guards were usually way, way low on that defensive win share ranking. <clears throat> Moving to the league leaderboards, uh, much like the MVP and defensive player of the year, I wanted to award players who led the three statistical categories that were tracked since at least 1950. 
uh, steals and blocks didn't come till later so I had to basically ignore that them completely which sucks but scoring champion got you five points assist champion got you three points this year last year it was a point and a half I doubled the the weight of assists I decided assists are worth more than rebounds when it comes down to the way the game is played a rebound champ gets one and a half points again rebounds were not tracked until 1950 so for the guys that played in the 40s uh, I'm putting an asterisk next to their name if they are within six points of the next guy ahead of them uh, because they could have they had led the league in rebounds in one of those first four years they would have gotten a point and a half for each year so if they're within six points of someone else I'll make an asterisk on that but anyway moving forward <clears throat> finally the stats last year I was weird about this and I this is when I was like deep into the minutia and I was like I don't feel like looking at 100,000 players so I did a certain number of players for each award this time I went and did the top 50 for every single category so there's more people that got points for this the weight didn't change but I looked at the top 50 instead of stopping at like 30 or 25 or whatever top 50 all got at least a like a partial part of a point uh, so this is playoff points per game our top 50 players were considered the number one playoff points per game guy received 100 points number two received 98 number three 96 and so on career points per game again top 50 same concept as above uh the number one career points per game guy got 60 points number two got 58.8 number three 57.6 and down by 1.2 points from there uh, last year i only did the top 30 players instead of 50 so this this got bumped up <clears throat> career total points in the playoffs i did the top 50 again number one received 25 points number two 24 and a half down by a half a point from there last year i stopped at 25 players this time i did the top 50 so at least 50 people got points career total points again i did the top 50 number one got 15 points goes down by three tenths from there last year i only did the top 15 total points people got a point each basically or got 15 points for number one down to one point for number 15 that obviously is stretched out a little bit more again more people got some type of points for that assist per game number one received 10 points number two received 9.8 uh, last year, number one in a career assist per game only got five points. So that doubled. And career rebounds per game, I did the top 50 as well. Number one received five points. Number two received 4.9. Went down by a tenth of a point from there. Now, that is the formula. That's how points were accumulated. And so now let's get to the results because that's what you really came here for. And again, I said I was going to try to keep these to 30 minutes. I think we have about 10 minutes left. Uh, I have six players that I want to get through today. So let's get to it. Another week of the NFL season means another shot to win big at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. The last 0-0 tie in the NFL was in 1943, so I'd say this is a no-brainer. 
If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NFL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> so again, the list was expanded to 75 players. I actually realized the mistake today when I was adding more notes. I also wanted to make sure I pointed out what era each player played in. And I determined the era by the top, by guys in the top 10 to 15 or so that dominated that era, whoever was the best player from that era. So the first era is the Mikan era from 1948 to 1956. Second era is the Bill Russell era, 1956 to 69. Uh, then comes the Kareem era from 69 to 86. Kareem was still in the league, but by 86, Mike had taken over. So 1986 to 1998 is the Michael Jordan era. Then there was a little bit of a vacuum and no one player really stepped up. So from 1999 to 2008, I'm calling that the Duncan, Kobe, Shaq era. And then finally, from 2008 to present, that is the LeBron era. None of those names should surprise you as top 15 type players. Where they land, you'll have to wait and see. Now, let's get to it. There's at least one listener that will appreciate number 75 on this list. It is none other than, no goat sound, (laughs) Tony Parker. Tony Parker received 106.67 GOAT points. He's obviously came from the Duncan, Kobe, Shaq era, crossing over into the LeBron era. Nicknames, TP, Fiery, Francophile, and the Parisian Torpedo. Tony Parker stood six foot two, was a point guard. He was actually born in Bruges, Belgium. Uh, Played most of his ball in France growing up. Played in the NBA from 2001 to 2019. He is currently 39 years old, acting as the president of the French basketball club Asvel and majority owner. Spent most of his career with the San Antonio Spurs. Spent his last year in the NBA with the Charlotte Hornets. His career accolades. He was the 2007 Finals MVP. He was a three-time All-NBA second team selection and one-time all-nba third team selection additional accolades that earn him points according to my formula he is 11th in total playoff points for his career he won four rings all with the spurs in 2003 2005 2007 and 2014 His real claim to fame is that he was a member of that Spurs dynasty uh, with Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili. 
Now let's get into some fun facts. And there were actually some things that I learned about Tony Parker that I did not realize. Uh, first fun fact is that his number nine is retired by the Spurs. Second is that he actually played for Asvel in 2011 during the lockout, the NBA lockout. Uh, he made about $2,000 a game, if I'm not mistaken, and said that he was basically playing for free. Now, something that I didn't know about Tim, uh, Tony Parker is that his father was actually American uh, and from Chicago. His mother was Dutch. Uh, he became a French citizen at 15, but maintained his American nationality. I had no idea Tony Parker was technically American. Um, he did release a hip hop album in 2007, and he has made several appearances in television and film, most recently in the Netflix series called My Agent, which is apparently a very good series. Uh, I recently added it to my list. Um, so I'm definitely going to be checking that out. But number 75 on our list is Tony Parker. Nice to start out with a, a recent legend. Moving to number 74. It is none other than, again, no goat sound, Alex English. Alex English earned 109.4 goat points. He comes from the Kareem era, crossing over into the Jordan era. His nicknames are The Blade and Flick. He was a six foot seven small forward. His hometown is the city I'm currently living in, Columbia, South Carolina. He went to Greer High School, went to college at my alma mater, the University of South Carolina, playing in the NBA from 1976 to 1991. He's currently still living in South Carolina, He's actually very active on Twitter at AlexEnglish underscore two. Uh, English played his in his career for a few different teams, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Indiana Pacers, the Denver Nuggets, which is the team he's most known for, where he did most of his damage. And he played his last season with the Dallas Mavericks. His accolades. He was a three-time All-NBA second team selection. And he was a scoring champion in 1982-1983. He did not ever win a ring. His claim to fame, he scored more points than any other player during the 80s, which is an actually surprising thing when you think about who else was playing during that time. Some fun facts about him. He is 24th. In playoff points per game, which also earned him points. He is 41st in career points per game, which earned him some points. 23rd in total career points. His number two is retired by the Denver Nuggets. His number 22 is retired by the South Carolina Gamecocks. He is a Hall of Famer. And another fun fact which actually came up last year during the GOAT series despite the fact that he did not make the list last year he is the outgoing piece on what considered to be the worst trade of all time Uh, he was traded to the Denver Nuggets from the Indiana Pacers because the Indiana Pacers wanted to get George McGinnis back to their team because McGinnis was the star of the Indiana Pacers in the ABA before the merger and they wanted to bring him back for nostalgia and ticket sales. 
after the trade, English went on to be an eight-time All-Star in Denver, and McGinnis was out of the league within two years of that trade. It was a shell of himself uh, when he got back to Indiana. Again, for a while, many considered that to be the worst trade of all time. Again, English, eight-time All-Star after the trade, and he was already playing well, so it's not like it was a surprise. Um, but that nostalgia selling the tickets won, won them over. All right, let's move to another one. This is one that you're not going to know, and I love that. Number 73 on the list is Bill Sharman. Sharman earned 111 and a half GOAT points. He comes from the Mikan to the Bill Russell era. His nicknames were Bullseye Bill, Battling Bill, and Willie. He was a 6'1 shooting guard from Abilene, Texas. Born in Abilene, Texas, went to high school in Porterville, California, and played his college ball at the, uh, USC, the other one in California. <laughs> we call South Carolina USC over here. Uh, his playing years in the NBA were from 1950 to 1961. Uh, he passed away in 2013 at the age of 87. His playing years were spent, well, his first year was with the Washington Capitals, and then he spent the rest of his career with the Boston Celtics. He was a four-time All-NBA first-team selection, three-time All-NBA second-team selection. Uh, when I did my additional awards, he did win an All-Defensive second selection as well. He has four rings, 1957 title, and the 1959 through 61 three-peat with the Celtics. His claim to fame was actually pretty interesting. He was the first person to win titles as a player, a coach, and an, exec and an executive in American sports, period. Not basketball, American sports. He's also known for inventing the morning shoot-around as a way to burn off nervous energy on game days. Fun facts, he served in World War II. Uh, he also won a College World Series title at USC. He actually play, played pro baseball from 1950 to 1955. And if you go back to his NBA playing years, that means he was playing both sports at the same time. Uh, from 1950 to 1955, he was in the Brooklyn Dodgers minor league system. He was selected to the 25th and 50th anniversary teams. So he is not a slouch. Even though he ended up 73rd on my list, he made that top 50 team uh, back in 96. His number 21 is retired by the Celtics. His number 11 is retired by USC. He won titles as an ABL coach with the Cleveland Pipers. That's the American Basketball League that only lasted for like a year and some change. So he won a title with the ABL in 1962. He won a title as an ABA coach in 1971 with the Utah Stars. And then he won a title in the NBA as coach of the Lakers. The guy just won. So he won four rings as a player. He then went on, the year after he retired, he coached the Cleveland Pipers to an ABL title. He then moved to the ABA and won a title with the Utah Stars in 1971. And then the next year, he won a title with the Lakers in the NBA in 1972. Ridiculous. Every other team started doing morning shoot-arounds after that 1972 title. Again, he was the only one doing that at the time. 
and now it's just a thing that people know about and do and all across the league the abl again lasted one full season uh, it was the first league to try out the three-point line and that's a notable thing about the abl since i got the chance to bring them up Uh, let's see. He won ABA and NBA Coach of the Year. Uh, won the ABA Coach of the Year in 1970 and the NBA Coach of the Year in 1972. He won five titles in a, as an executive with the Lakers in 80, 82, 85, 87, and 88. He's inducted into the Hall of Fame as a player and as a coach separately. He's one of five men to have this honor. He's also one of the first guards to shoot over 40% from the field and led the league in free throw percentage seven times, which is a record, and also led the league in free throw percentage five consecutive seasons, which is also an NBA record. And I know what you're thinking. That was for my analytic heads. He was one of the first guards to shoot over 40% from the field. Why were guards not shooting over 40% from the field? Because there was no three-point line. Floor spacing was not a thing. You had to get, you wanted to get as close to the basket as possible. And when you're six foot one and Will Chamberlain and Bill Russell are standing around, scoring that basket more than 40% was kind of hard to do. So shout out to him. Uh, he also had, holds the record for consecutive free throws made in the playoffs with 56. And he coached the Lakers to a record 33 straight wins. That was the year with Wilt and Jerry West. Uh, and that was the year they won the title as well. Bill Sharman is a legend you should know, and now you do. And now I should I should be stopping. I'm close to 30 minutes, but I'm gonna go ahead and give you these next. We'll see. We'll give you the next two. The next one is David Thompson. Another name you may or may not know. David Thompson finished with 112.8 GOAT points. He played in the Kareem era. Nicknames were Skywalker and DT. He was a six foot four shooting guard slash small forward from Shelby, North Carolina. Went to Crest High School. Played his college ball at NC State. Again, played in the league from 1975 to 1984. His teams played his first year with the Denver Nuggets. It was the last year of the ABA. And let's see here. Excuse me. He played most of his career with the Denver Nuggets, including uh, his first year, which was the last year of the ABA. The Nuggets were one of the teams that was brought into the NBA as it stood. So he stayed with them when they came to the NBA and he played his last two seasons with the Seattle Sonics. His accolades, he was a two-time All-NBA first-team selection and a one-time All-NBA second-team selection. His claim to fame is his exceptional leaping ability. Michael Jordan once said, the whole meaning of vertical leap began with David Thompson. Bill Walton described him recently as Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tracy McGrady, and LeBron rolled into one is I mean that's Bill Walton right let's see he never won any rings now 
<clears throat> his number 33 is retired by the Denver Nuggets. His number 44 is retired by North Carolina State. It is the only number that North Carolina State has retired. He was the number one pick in the ABA and NBA drafts in 1975. Uh, he was in a- the ABA Rookie of the Year. And the NBA Rookie of the Year winner that year, Alvin Adams, actually thanked him for choosing to go to the ABA instead of the NBA. Uh, He scored 73 points in a game, the last game of the season in 1978, in an effort to try to steal the scoring title from George Gervin. But his game was before Gervin, so Gervin went out and scored 63 to hold him off. He was also the runner-up to Dr. J in the first ever dunk contest. He led NC State to their first NCAA title. Uh, He's 31st all-time in career playoff points per game. 32nd all-time in career points per game. Uh, he is a Hall of Famer, and he was actually 29 the last season he played in the NBA. Uh, during one of his last seasons, he got hurt and said he felt depressed and alone. He turned to drugs and was really never the same. Uh, after another knee injury, he had erratic behavior, and basically that landed him outside the league. He was spiraling for a while after his career ended, but he did end up turning his life around and getting cleaned up. And the last one I'm going to give you, this this is a fun one. This is a name that I was actually surprised didn't make the list last year. It is none other than Dan Issel. Dan Issel earned 118.1 GOAT points. He comes from the Kareem era. His nicknames were Horse and Danny. He was a center slash power forward from Batavia, Illinois. Played his college ball at Kentucky. Played in the ABA slash NBA from 1970 to 1985. He's currently living and 72 years old. I believe he does uh, play-by-play for like the local ESPN affiliate in Kentucky. He played for the Kentucky Colonels in the ABA and then for the Denver Nuggets. Uh, his accolades, he was an all-ABA first-team selection once four-time All-ABA second-team selection, and the ABA scoring champ in 1971. Uh, he also earned one All-Defensive first-team selection uh, during doing my calculations for the awards I had to add. <clears throat> he did win a ring in the ABA in 1975 with those Kentucky Colonels. His claim to fame is that he was a walking bucket, first of all. And his nickname, The Horse, was actually given to him because he only missed 24 games in 15 seasons. Ridiculous. Now for the fun facts. His number 44 is retired by the Nuggets. I feel like we've gotten a lot of Nuggets in here, actually, so already. 
Uh, he's 48th all-time in playoff points per game. 33rd all-time in career points per game. 30th in total playoff points. And 11th in total points overall, which is a name, again, that you don't really think of when you think of buckets, but 11th all-time in total points in the NBA slash ABA history. The NBA does count ABA totals into their totals, which is, again, another reason why I counted whatever they did in the ABA as equal. He's actually also the all-time leading scorer at Kentucky, which was I, I also found interesting with their history. Uh, second all-time scorer for the Nuggets and second all-time scorer in the ABA. Now, I actually did the research for the next guy, but it's kind of a big name, and I'm going to let you guys wait for it. So that's all I'm going to do for this first introductory episode. Uh, if you're new to the GOAT series, buckle up. It's going to get more interesting. I go a little bit more in depth the closer we get to the, the end of the list. Again, I'm trying to keep these at 30 minutes, I'm trying to keep these to, to digestible midweek episodes. We'll see how it ends up being released. I know a lot of people said they wanted to see the list before, or a lot of people said do it before the NBA's list comes out. But I don't think they're ranking one to one to or 75 down to one. I think they're just gonna have a total 75 and you can figure out where everybody lands. So I will be doing it at my own pace. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. <clears throat> I always feel we are doing this because again, I am alone. I am talking to myself. And it feels like I'm just saying a bunch of words. But people enjoyed it last year. I'm hoping you'll enjoy it this year. It's a lot of new names, a lot of new facts. There's a couple of names here that are coming up in the next batch that I'm sure a lot of you will be glad to hear. Some of them may be a little controversial. We'll see. We'll see. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Bibbs Corner. Follow the podcast at Mavs Outsiders. I'm excited to be doing this series again. I'm excited to get through this list and I'm looking forward to all your feedback and comments, compliments, complaints, all that good stuff. Hit me up. I am friendly usually. Unless you say something sideways to me, I might not be friendly then. But until next time, peace. to take one big thing off your to-do list, teaching your kids about money. With a Greenlight debit card and money app of their own, kids and teens learn to earn, save, and invest. You can send money instantly, set flexible controls, and get real-time notifications of your kids' money activity. Set up chores and put allowance on autopilot to reward them for their hard work. Then learn about the world of money together. Get one month free when you sign up at greenlight.com podcast.